windows, lock your doors, keep your loved ones near, time is running out, it's here for fear! Welcome to Ear for Fear, this is Donovan. And I'm Rick. And this is the podcast where we talk about movies that are trying to be scary or are are scary. (laughs) I'll get get it next time. That's awesome. I love it. Well, uh, today we're talking about uh, 1980s The Changeling starring uh, George George C. Scott. Um, This one I'm glad we're talking about. I recommended it because this is one of my favorite uh, horror movies like ever. Um, So before we jump in, let's give a uh, let's give a quick. kind of synopsis of of what this is about or plot. Uh, John Russell, who is played by George uh, George C. Scott, is a composer. He ends up losing his wife and daughter in a freak automobile accident. Consumed by grief, John, at the request of his friends, uh, moves back to Seattle, Washington, and rents uh, an old turn-of-the-century home. Uh, Enormous in size, the house seems all the room that John needs to write new music and mourn the death of his family. He soon realizes he's not alone in the house. The spirit of a child starts to communicate with John. With the help of Claire Norman, uh, the lady who helped uh, John acquire the house, they investigate the identity of the dead child and discover the mystery as to the boy's death. Donovan, um, did you like this movie, The Changeling? Yeah, I did. It was a good movie. Now, I can't remember. Did I have you watch this when you were younger? Yeah, and it's funny because I don't remember this movie very well. I thought I did, but I think I'm getting movies mixed up. I remember a movie with a chair at the top of a stairs, but it was like spinning. Does that sound familiar, familiar to you? A chair and spinning? Does that happen in The Burning? In the burning? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. I haven't yeah, seen the burning so, in a while. Okay. So what's happened then is I've got this movie all twisted in my, my brain. Because I remember most of this movie. <gasps> Hold on. Are you thinking of Burnt Offerings? Oh, it has to be that. The one with Betty Davis where um, the the house is kind of alive and they move a family in. And then what happens over time is they start dying off. And then the house the house is essentially, you know, basically like um, it's alive. And so if anyone dies or gets hurt, it, it like brings life to the house. I think what is what's that happening right? is I'm getting like movies mixed up in my head. Yeah. And that's kind of scary. That might be, I'm trying to remember it. There is a scene at the very end of burn offerings where they go up into a, uh, the husband goes up into a, uh, the bedroom cause he's looking for his wife. And he goes up and uh, opens up the door, and um, he's talking to this old lady who he thinks is an old lady, and he's, you know, talking to her, talking, no answer, no answer, and then turns around and it's his and it's his wife, and she and she looks just crazy, and uh, that to me is um, one of my favorite uh, endings of all time, which is burnt offerings. The movie itself is okay. Um, I think it was like made for TV or something like that. Um, 
I uh, I like it. I just don't love it. But that ending is is probably my top five endings ever. It, it just thinking about it gives me like the chills. Um, it's just a creepy. Then the husband, you know, he's he's basically thrown out the thrown yeah. out the window and lands on that. the car. Yeah, is that one? Is that the one you're thinking of? I don't know. I don't know why I'm thinking of a spinning chair. Yeah, that does the chair doesn't spin. I don't. I'm not Maybe sure. Maybe it happens in the remake of the Ring. Is there a spinning chair in the ring? No, dude. I, I don't. Yeah. I've got this image of a spinning chair at the top of a staircase, and I also could have swore that he died in this movie, George C. Scott. Oh, oh really? But he doesn't. Some other old guy dies, and yeah, I like. So yeah, I remember this movie. I know I've seen it before, but not definitely not all of it. I also remember when I first saw this movie, it was super creepy. Yeah, and now I'm noticing as we're watching these movies, I'm just kind of noticing all the framework. Yeah. And it's like, I know when the movie's trying to be scary and I kind of, I'm just kind of noticing the structure of it in a way that I didn't before. Yeah. So I'm almost thinking this podcast is spoiling scares for me. Yeah. We kind of <laughs> are. It's just when you we're watching these like back to back to back, it's like, okay, here's, here's the, the scary spectacle that I'm about to watch. And I know what the movie's doing. It also doesn't help when I've seen these movies before. And yeah, I don't remember this movie entirely, but I remember like enough to know that, okay, I remember vaguely what's going on here. I forgot the banging from this movie was from um, young Carmichael being murdered. And I remember the banging being very scary. But once I know, like this movie, this movie and the movie we're going to be talking about next week, spoilers, we're going to be talking about the others. Yeah. Um, You know, they both kind of, they 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 take on a different context when you know the mystery behind it, and in in this movie, like I just kind of felt bad because I remembered enough about the movie to know that the mystery was some sort of communication happening, and once I knew that, like this movie was less scary and more kind of sad in a way. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, I it's hard because I mean we're talking about these movies, so if no one's ever seen it, yeah, we're kind of we're kind of giving away some of the. If there is a surprise ending, we're giving that away. Or if it's not a surprise ending, we're just kind of giving stuff away um, in, in general. Um, but, you know, um, that's kind of what we're doing here, talking about the movie itself. So it kind of, you know, kind of lends itself to, we got it. I mean, we don't want to do the, the movie a disservice and not, you know, talk about everything. But I understand what you're saying. I don't, I know I think I'd let, I, I probably played this for you when you were younger. I don't remember when I did. I know not a few years back I played it for Andrea and and she yeah actually more than a few years she was probably like maybe maybe like 8 or 9 and this scared her it scared the crap out of her. Yeah. I, I remember her um put you know we were we were chilling on the couch and we were uh I put it on for her and we were watching it and she kept pulling the uh blanket over her head. And uh and she she loved the movie but found it very very scary. And you know I've seen this movie so many times over the years, because again, it's one of my favorite horror movies. Um, but uh, I, there are still parts and I know everything that's going to happen and I know when it's going to happen, but there are a few scenes that, that scare me. They, they, I watched it earlier and the, the scene with, um, we could talk about it later, but the scene when the wheelchair is at the top of the stairs and, and, and uh, Claire, um, she sees it and just the, the, the look on her face, the panic, she is literally frozen. 
and and then they pan to the wheelchair and it's just that music and and the the hair on my arms stand up and it does it to me every time and i've seen this movie so many times and that's that's a that's a sign of a, of a really good scene and a really good movie and the music just sets the tone which i always especially in a movie like this you know we're we're talking about a ghost story which is probably my favorite of like say a subcategory of the of the horror genre ghost stories are my favorite and if you don't have good music it 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 doesn't it doesn't um i don't think it 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 uh really um pays off you have to have its violin or its piano um it's it's or you know the uh, the organ um those types of things if you don't have those and you're not doing it right it just it just kind of fails the performances really sell it uh whoever plays claire she kind of kills it that's um what is her name uh that's uh trish vandeveer trish which, vandeveer yeah she was actually married in real life to george c scott oh perfect start, I, I didn't know this until today because i was you know i was checking out some of the special features because because morris recently bought this for me on on uh, blu-ray because I had it on DVD and and I was checking out some of the special features and I did not know this at all. That they they, they were I guess married in real life. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. Um, she when she just does a scary face, it's very very affecting and it makes me scared. Um, very convincing. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, for me the scariest scene in the movie is actually when he's trying to get rid of the ball, and then the ball comes back and it's wet and he's just toss it into the river. And it just goes boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that, that's that's the scariest scene for me. That's up there with me as well. Yeah, um, that's one that I'll never forget. It's very effective. Um, but then it, it's immediately followed up with like one of the goofiest things I've seen in a movie, where he actually goes to the college he works at, and there's a psychic research like department. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like what the what are you talking about? <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, ninety nine percent of people who come in suck but there's like one percent that's the real deal and i was like no college has ever done this ever no um but besides that yeah this movie is i quite like this movie so um i will say that uh this movie and the movie we're talking about next week are kind of slow burns or they're they're ones that will um that are totally content just kind of lingering in on the spooky mystery of what's going on in the story and then letting you kind of watch that happen whether it's a door opening by itself the piano playing by itself or just uh, watching our characters be frightened or learn something um and i'm quite into movies that do that yeah i agree definitely um i i what we're gonna uh what we'll notice is 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 uh the similarities of these two movies and and what and and it's interesting you and i when we pick these i picked the changeling you wanted to to do the others, but so uh, should... I wanted to do the others like weeks ago. I know you did, like a very long time ago. Before we even, I think we always knew we wanted to do the Changeling. Yeah, but they just kind of like happened to be back to back. Happened to be back. It's it's strictly a coincidence, but it's they're very similar. You know, they're both ghost stories, but they have these other similarities that I didn't catch originally until rewatching them again. And and are they a coincidence? You know, not. I, it's a coincidence in the sense that we're watching them. You know, uh, we're doing one, and the next week doing the other. But there are other things going on in there that can't be a coincidence. Very, very similar. And we're talking about movies that were done what twenty one years apart. So, but let's let's start. 
Um, I didn't know this. And this was part of the special features. Seen this movie tons of times. This is actually based off a true story. Oh. Did not know this at all until I started watching the special features on this. This particular story happened in, in Denver, Colorado, back in the 60s. Um, I won't go into great detail, but there are uh, the there was a um there was a, a home, they called it uh, the, the Chessman home. It was a home that was on this, I think it was a street called Chessman Park or something like that. The, the original title of this movie or working title was The House on Chessman Park. And there was a guy that lived there. Uh, his name was, uh, I think his name was, uh, was it John? Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, but he, he lived there. Very similar. Uh, Russell Hunter. Our character's name is John Russell. So Russell Hunter lived there. All of these things that are, have occurred in this movie happened to him in real life. I don't believe any of that. <laughs> again, that's, that is, that is the, what I had uh, watched today on the special features. It was a very interesting story. It was told by like a historian from the Denver area. And it sounds very believable um, in the movie. If you remember when, uh, when uh, Claire is introducing her mother to John, and she says, hey, you know, um, mother, this is John. He lives, he lives in the Chessman home. So, yeah, I don't know how much to believe. It's kind of like with the Amityville Horror. You know, it's, it's loosely based off a true story. How much is real? How much is, you know, fabricated? Probably the same thing here. All the ghost stuff is what's fabricated. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't believe in the ghosts? No, I don't. You don't? Uh, oh, absolutely, I do. absolutely not. No? No. Well, I believe in ghosts. I, I believe in some something. Something, you know, some sort of entity. You know, it's, 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 it's another strange coincidence because I was also watching The Good Place. Is that, are you familiar with The Good Place? No. You should be because you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is he created by Michael Schur. He also did Parks and Rec. And then he also did The Good Place. I think you told me about this yeah. like, before. He's kind of knocked it out of the park with those three sitcoms. And then now two of them have ended. And The Good Place ended just earlier this year. And uh, he just has a knack for good endings. It's a good place as a sitcom. Yeah, it's oh. a philosophical sitcom. Really, it's oh. about the good places in reference to like heaven. Okay. So there's a good place and a bad place, and it's more played for laughs. I, I'm, I'm sure like Michael Schur had this idea, thought it was funny, and then thought it'd be a good opportunity to like talk about, you know, philosophy, the mm-hmm. afterlife, what it means to be a good person and a bad person. But uh, the good place takes place. In the afterlife. And I watched the finale to that show last night. Oh. Um, so I've got like this movie on our on, on on my not your mind, but my mind. I've got uh next week's movie, the others on my mind, and now I've got the good place on my mind. Hmm. And all three of these works are talking about the afterlife and some life. Um uh, for the changeling and the others, it's about ghosts. Yeah. And the others, and we'll talk about this next week, but in the others, the the afterlife, ghosts essentially almost exist in Earth in some sort of like almost like a limbo, but it's not. But they're kind of coexisting on Earth with, you know, the people who are alive. In this movie, The Changeling, we're talking about uh, spirits that are in a state of unrest who can't move on without you know some sort of retribution happening yeah in this case the murder of we'll talk about it but the murder of uh the fake carmichael who 
had no idea what was going on with his dad, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. We'll. Yeah. I think I don't think he's complicit in his crimes, even though he's you know reaping uh, the benefit of it. Um, and then the good place, which is you know taking place in the afterlife, and that's its own perspective. And then what's after the afterlife? And so I kind of got hit by like these three different perspectives of what it means to be dead. And I'm like in this weird emotional state right now because now I'm thinking about mortality and what comes next and all this stuff. Do I think it's ghosts? Absolutely not. I almost think that's a discredit to being alive. Um, Is it heaven? I don't think so either. But, you know, and then when it comes to this podcast, I kind of want to keep it apolitical and whatever the term is for a religious, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I'm just like in this weird spot where I'm like thinking about all this stuff and it's just such a weird coincidence. And now we're talking about the changeling and I, I, I find this movie kind of so sad because the entire, the kind the, the entire plot of this movie is just a boy who was murdered trying to reach out to another man who untimely lost his family in a position emotionally that's kind of the same somewhat i mean there's arguments to be made yeah i mean he's 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 grieving right he's, he's mourning the loss of his wife and daughter it's some weird freak accident yeah and that he's i don't know if that makes it easier for him to communicate but the boy uh carmichael is trying to get help essentially i find Joke, this yeah. a very empathetic movie yeah where it's it's it is it's um it's the way they the way they do this um it's it's very it's very sad very emotional which you don't see a lot of in horror movies you know there's they usually you know usually do certain things in horror movies this one they're doing some of these these things that you see in in other ones but they're you're feeling for these characters a lot more you're feeling for the uh, for john and the death of his 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 wife and his daughter um, it, it feels personal, you know, everything that's, that's transpiring. You don't see that a lot in these movies. Um, and, and it's, you know, the, the sense of death and pain that he's going through is, is, uh, it's, it's, it's very powerful to me. Um, yeah, I like this movie. It doesn't hit you over the head with it. We've only seen him cry one time and it's very quickly preceded by a scare. Yeah. Or, you know, a, an uncomfortable scene or whatever, an unsettling, creepy scene. Because we, he's crying in bed, and then it goes bang, bang, bang. And, of course, that's the boy. I think this might be the first time he's trying to communicate with uh, Scott, George C. Scott's character, Russell. John, uh, John Russell, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. It's the second time we hear the banging, because he had heard the banging the, the, the previous day at 6 a.m. He hears it again the following day, but, yes, he's, he's, he's crying in bed. You know, the, 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 you know, the realization, you know, that he's, it's only been three or four months since the death of his, his wife and his daughter, you know, he moved away. Um, he set up in this, this, this big mansion or this big home. Um, you know, it's, it's huge and it's empty. It's just him and, 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 and really his piano. Cause he's a composer. And, uh, so he sits there and which I think any of us would do. He sits there, he wakes up in the morning and he's just this overwhelming, sense of of emptiness that he's that they they're gone and he starts crying and it's immediately interrupted by this banging from joseph we don't know it's joseph right right off the bat it we eventually find out it's joseph but it's this banging that you know it sounds like it could be 
could be pipes, it could be the furnace. So, but um, I think we're getting maybe a little little head, a little head of ourselves. Not not not. No, a great we're talking deal. about a movie. There's no way we can get ahead of ourselves. Um, and that's the interesting thing about movies is they kind of exist uh, forever, and. <laughs> It's kind of a complicated idea I'm trying to state, but you've ever watched like a movie or a TV show and like a, your favorite character like dies. Yeah. Well, you just rewatch the movie again and then they're alive for like another hour. You know, I don't think we can, we can get ahead of ourselves when we're talking about movies. Um, True. But uh, I guess if we want to talk about the plot, the movie begins with uh, a very, very old George C. Scott with a very, very young wife and his daughter. I mean, whatever. Let's just ignore that. I just find that weird. Let's ignore it. Let's not talk about so, it. Let's not talk about it. You don't want to talk about it? <laughs> no, no I, just, I, I, I find a, this idea so like uh, ugly these days. But I hold on a second. This is. I'm glad you brought this up because, and again, I don't know how old George C. Scott was when this was made. Um, so you could be absolutely right. Now that we know that they were, um, we know that they were married in real life. Um, so, you know, um. Maybe, maybe it wasn't so weird. They were married in real life. She looked younger. Maybe he, maybe he was close in age, just looked older. I was talking to this, talking about this with the coworker. Um, he, he, if you look at old, older photographs of some of these actors, let's just, let's just say actors in this instance, because we're talking about a movie. If you go back, say the seventies and eighties, and you're, and you look at some of these, um, these actors. And then you look, you take someone that is that same age and you go and you go to today, they, they look substantially older and, 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 uh, you know, I'll, I'll throw out his name, uh, Jake, you know, Jake Poindexter, um, uh, he, uh, he's one of my coworkers. He, uh, he was kind enough to do the intro for, for our podcast. He, he's talked about this a few times and, 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 and when I start to, to analyze it, he's, he's really right. For all we know, George C. Scott could have been fifty and looked like seventy, but he just at that time just looked older. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a a particular explanation on why that is. I'm just not into like super old guys dating super young people. It just weirds me out. Not into it. Well, but again, it's if it is if if his wife at the time was thirty and he was fifty. Okay, yeah, you know, I mean, we we see it. It happens, especially in Hollywood. But I don't know how old George C. Scott was at the time. You know, we're talking about 1979, 1980 that this came out. How do we know that his wife, you know, how do we know we were close in age? And, you know, I well, mean, he we definitely. Just, we he, just look it up. That's how well, we know. Well, look, look it up while we're talking. I mean, he definitely looked substantially older than her. For sure. And we're talking about the wife that dies at the oh start. yeah. So we're not talking. Yeah, we're not talking about. We're not talking, uh, about, Claire we're not talking about Claire. Um. So my apologies. We're Is not talking the, about Claire. Uh, does but she even Claire, have I a mean, name? Um. No, I think it's just his wife. So so yeah. Let me let me go back. Obviously, Claire is it, Trish or is it Trish Vanderveer? Yeah. Uh, Trish uh, Trish Vanderveer, Vanderveer, which which is his wife in real life. She looks really young. So if we know they were married. And the wife at the beginning who, you know, gets her, her, him and the daughter that gets, you know, that gets hit by the car, she definitely looked a lot younger too. Um, but maybe they, maybe they weren't, you know, too far. I mean, the, you know, the daughter looked probably 12 or 13, you know, maybe they just started, you know, late, but they're on, they're on vacation. I think they were, I think it was New York, right? They break down, the car breaks down in the snow. So they're. 
the opening scene is them pushing the car. Um, you seem like a very happy family. And he goes to make a phone call in a pay booth, uh, a phone booth. And there's a freak accident and they both, they both die. Um, you know, I think that a big like rig or truck, you know, crushes them or kills them. We don't see it, but it's just implied. So then it skips, you know, four months later, he, he leaves New York, comes back to, uh, to Seattle, Washington, to teach at the university and to compose music, you know, trying to cope with, trying to cope with the, you know, the death of his, his uh, wife and daughter, you know, four months is not a long time to, you know, to get past this. I, I don't know if you ever get past something like that. So he's, he, you know, he meets up with some friends. Um, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're glad he's there. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's wants to write some music. He's, he's, you know, they, they, they talked to him about renting out, staying at a hotel, you know, uh, the, the, the wife, um, uh, of his friend makes a, uh, a recommendation. Hey, you know, we know some people that work for the historical uh, society that, uh, you know, I think they lease out these homes. And so he gets in contact with, that's when we're introduced to Claire and, uh, you know, Claire shows him the house. He, he moves into this old home. She hasn't been working for the historical society long, I think a year. So doesn't know much of anything about the house knows that, you know, it's last been occupied like 12 years ago. You know, so he doesn't really think anything of it, you know, moves in and starts, uh, you know, starts composing music. So did you, did you find out what the age gap was? No, like the actor, they're like the same age, basically. There's no way that's right. Cause she looked like she was like, like you know, said, early, it's, like late twenties or something. So, so is it possible? I think, Look, I don't really care. You don't care? Okay. I don't care about this. This no. is so unimportant, dude. All right. All I, right. This is. No, let's talk about the movie. All right. So, so that's where we're at. Uh, you know, he's now in the house. He's uh, composing music. He's, um, he's teaching. Uh, he, I think he's teaching or doing some lectures at the university. He's, uh, he's composing music, playing, uh, playing the, he's a pianist playing the piano. Yeah. Apparently he's pretty famous. He makes a joke when he goes to his first lecture that apparently there's like, he only had 30 students registered, but there was like a packed auditorium easily. like over a hundred people, maybe 200 people were in there. So he must have a name outside of, well, he, he just must be very popular is what I'm trying to say. Well, he's an, he's an, an alum, he's alumni. Yeah. But he's no, but he's obviously a, you know, I don't know how famous of a composer he is. He was living in New York. So maybe he, I, I don't know, you know, probably was, um, well, we know he's famous. Successful. He had like a yeah. three or 30, 30 people were registered. He had like 200 people show up. So he must be like a big yeah, deal. The whole thing was full. Um, yeah. So he tries to make music at the, the mansion. We get our first little spooky scene. Yeah. He's playing on the piano. There's a dead key. And then, you know, he, he walks away to talk to his gardener or to the, the, whatever you call a person that sort of maintains a house. Yeah. Handyman. The carekeeper. Yeah. Care. Yeah. Caretaker. Caretaker. Carekeeper. Yeah. Whatever. I like it. Carekeeper. Uh, and then, you know, I guess the boy, we don't see any boy yet. It's just a spooky little thing that happens by itself with the, the key. Yeah. The dead key plays and it actually plays the note as he leaves the, the, the room in yeah. the music room. Yeah. Yeah, this this movie is very slow. It's not a very long movie. It's about an hour and forty five minutes, you know, around the the length of time you'd want your movie to be. And 
it it's it's very prone to just kind of spending time on this spooky stuff and uh russell figuring out this mystery or mourning slash grieving yeah you know almost everything he does seems to be a way of sort of getting over the fact that his wife and daughter died um even if he doesn't seem to realize it i think that's why he doesn't just leave out leave the house he wasn't able to help his daughter and his wife uh when they were being run down by the vehicle he tried to but he there was nothing he could do no and now he's got this opportunity to help some boy who passed before his time in a very savage manner and that's why he doesn't leave so this whole movie's like it's such a smart framing device to have a man in grief helping a boy who's kind of looking to you know it's not the most flattering idea i think this kid needs to get revenge in order to find peace so i mean that's kind of problematic but russell is there to help the boy do you think that do you think that you know the you know um we know that no one had occupied the house in 12 years and 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 i you know during the movie we we had you know we had uh we hear that you know um other people try to live there. They couldn't because they, they heard things and they left. Do you think that, you know, the, you know, uh, uh, other than there, someone being there and, and the boy not wanting it, do you think that because, because, you know, John is in this grieving process that, you know, maybe there was some sort of like connection there between the two? Yeah, I absolutely think that. I think the only reason this boy was able to not get the help is because he didn't find anyone as empathetic as russell russell was just in the very right situation emotionally for this boy to connect with spooky stuff starts to happen i'm out you're yeah you're out of there i'm out so if they had if previous tenants and i'm pretty sure at this point in the story there hadn't been a previous tenant in 12 years yeah they just got the hell out of there because yeah if there's this weird banging that's unexplained Things are moving around. Like, it's just a bunch of weird stuff. And I can almost see that from the boy's perspective, if his means of communication, which is doing all this weird stuff in the house, isn't working, then let's just try someone new. Let's get these guys the heck out of here. Yeah, I mean, a window, I think it was a top window that that just breaks by itself. You know, glass flies. I mean, all these, yeah, all these little things that are happening. I would, I'll be honest, you know, I I would have been gone. I wouldn't have stuck around to to try to solve, you know, this mystery. No. So, yeah, I mean, the boy lucked out with Russell coming in there. Um, I think him being there is pure coincidence, but the fact that he was there is very fortuitous for him. Yeah. Um, And that's, again, when you're watching this movie for the first time, it is very spooky. Every, oh, absolutely. Every, the second time, uh, when you've got context for all the things that's happening on screen, it's it's sad in a way. And I almost feel bad for for John because the only way for him to communicate is basically manipulating the house in some way, you know. I yeah, I agree. I agree definitely. Um, you know, so um, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I I I like I said, I still I still find this movie scary. I've seen it several times. I know what's going to happen, and that's just a sign of of a well made movie. The uh, movie's the acting, you know, the acting's great. Uh, you know, we we. We absolutely feel for all these characters, you know, I, you know, mainly being, 
you know, mainly being uh, George C. Scott, you know, John Russell, you know, Claire, and and this and this boy, this this you know Joshua, and 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 as we go along and we find out what what has happened to him, it's just it's horrible. It's just a horrible thing. And so, um, but um, you know, we're introduced. I think at this point, you know, there's there's a scene at the I think the orchestra. You know, John goes out. Uh, you know, goes goes to see this. You know, and I, I don't know if this is explained. Is this his? Is this his music that's being maybe being played, or is this just going out to? to get out of the house and join some of my friends and I can dress up and I can go see this, you know, see the, um, you know, listen to this beautiful music. And oh, that, I don't know. At the very least, it was an invitation around the people that are helping him get back on his feet. Right? Yeah. I that's think kind of how I took it. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Uh, but uh, of course it's a smart movie. So we're introduced to the Senator. Yeah. Senator makes Carmichael. A speech. Yep. Um, I remember that last name. Uh, so we hear him talk for a bit, but other than that, it's, you know, him, talking to Claire and her, Claire's mom and they're talking about the house in some fashion. Yeah. A little, a little bit. Yeah. Not, not, I don't think there was a ton of dialogue there, but um, I think it was mainly, uh, you know, it was, it, it served the purpose to introduce to Senator Carmichael because mm-hmm. uh, we, we know as we go along, Senator Carmichael is, it, you know, he's, he's a main, he's a main character here. And, um, and yeah, I don't know if a main character is correct, but, but he's, he definitely comes into play. It is super, super important as to this movie. He's the closest thing this movie has to an antagonist. And I think I'm noticing this when it comes to ghost stories is that uh, the, the only antagonist is the mystery of what's happening and the fight against all this weird stuff that's happening around your house. You know, I've noticed that these movies just kind of, you live with the scares um, and you either try to fix it you try to get the presence out, um, but there's no real villain. And when it comes to this movie, uh, Senator Carmichael is the closest you have to that, but he's only in like three scenes. And he's not even on screen for more than like 10 minutes, maybe. Yeah, I don't know if it's even that. I um, mean... Other than that, like Russell's obvious or uh, baby Carmichael, ghost Carmichael is obviously not a villain. He's just trying to enlist help from Russell. Yeah. It just happens to be through the spooky means because, you know, <laughs> yeah. when it comes to the real world, wheelchairs moving around, glass shattering, all that stuff, that's that's unexplained and scary because it's unexplainable, at least, you know, without context. Oh, yeah. So, you know, um, just an interesting thought I've had. I Between this and the others, there really is no antagonist in these movies. And you don't no. see that very often in horror movies yeah. where the antagonist is usually the thing that's trying to kill you. But in both of these movies, no one's trying to be killed. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I think the next day after the, or, uh, the, the, you know, the, he, you know, he goes to the, uh, you know, see the music, the orchestra. I think that's the next morning that we had talked about earlier when he, you know, we see him and we see him in bed and he's crying. And then immediately it's that banging noise and he just can't figure out what's happening. You know, Mr. Tuttle, the handyman or the whatever care, what do we call him? Uh, caretaker of the of the uh, my know. my word was carekeeper I carekeeper yeah, I like it um, he's the carekeeper the caretaker of the house you know like I said he's the handyman he does all the little things around the house um, you know he, he you know he tells he tells John I think it's maybe the furnace you know furnace is old and it has a mind of its own sometime you know of course we know it's it's not the furnace um, so you know he starts to hear voices I think you know I think he's hearing voices in the house because he asked Mister Tuttle. 
I think there's a scene where he asked Mr. Tuttle, hey, is, is, is so-and-so here? And he goes, no, oh. he only asked that because the door opened. Oh, okay. Yeah, the I door thought, opened unexplained. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I was looking for you, Mr. Tuttle, because he thought that he had come into the room or whatever. Oh. Or he had opened the door in some manner. But no, he doesn't hear voices until the uh, seance. Oh, I thought he'd heard voices. I thought he'd. No, I dude. thought there was something like around the corner that he'd heard. No, I don't think so. No, I mean maybe you're right. I could have swore it was just the door. Yeah, I don't know. You might be right. I just don't remember voices popping up until the seance, where he's got it on the I'm recorder. I'm pretty sure that he thought he'd heard something. We we know the door opens. Uh, that gets his attention, and I thought he thought he'd heard something around the corner, and that's why he asked Mr. Tuttle, "Hey, is there anyone yeah. else here?" But you could have been right. I mean, you've seen this movie like a billion times. I've still yeah. seen it twice. I mean, yeah, but um, so you know, I I uh, I think Claire comes by the house. She'd had some old pictures. I think that the um. That used to be, uh, you know, hanging up, you know, somewhere uh, in the house. And, and she thought uh, it'd be nice if if he had them, you know. Um, so she comes by. She's dressed up in her, like, horseback riding gear. And he ends up going horseback riding with her, you know. Yeah, this is the boring stuff that happens in the yeah, movie. Yeah, pretty don't much. don't need to spend a lot of time on no. it. Uh, this is just table setting. Uh, Claire's getting to know Russell and vice versa. And then we also get some more scenes of Russell basically mourning the death of his daughter because, you know, his daughter liked horses. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it, it, we don't have to spend a ton of time on it. Um, I think, uh, I think at this point he, uh, he has a few of his um, students over and they're practicing. Um, is that what you call it? I guess practicing music. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else you call Dude, it. I don't know what this is. You know, I think it's it, almost like a private, no, it can't be a private lesson. I don't know. I, I think he's there. You know, he probably enlists the help of some of his students to to help. You know, um, compose his compose. Music. Yeah, to yeah. help compose the music. So there's a. I think there's like four four students there, and and you know they're 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 practicing. You know, they wrap it up. Um, he tells them goodbye. Comes inside the house and he hears uh, a faucet. I think the faucet's running in the kitchen, which he of course is strange to him because you know I didn't leave it on. You know, so probably one of those darn kids. One of those darn yeah. One of those darn you know. One of his. Uh, one of his students. Um, so he, he starts hearing other noises though. He hears other running water upstairs. This, this is a big house. So I think this is three, I want to say this is three stories and he goes to the second story. He hears water. Then all of a sudden he doesn't hear water, but he hears an owl on the third floor. So he goes up to the third floor and there's a closed door and it looks like we see a light coming from it. Um, but he opens up the door and, and, uh, I didn't see any light on, but, um, it was just, it was just its way of, Hey, getting him up there. Um, we see a, a, a running, uh, faucet in the tub, the tub, you know, the tub's running. He goes to turn it off, I believe. And he sees the, he sees an image of this boy, which, which takes him back. Yep. That's our first, uh, look at baby Carmichael. It's unexplained at this point. Just a spooky scene. And it is spooky. It's creepy. Yeah, and uh, most people at this point would be getting the hell out. Um, but uh, he doesn't. He actually kind of takes it surprisingly well. Yeah. And uh, a part of me thinks that at this point in the movie that he's taken it so well because earlier in the film, when he was talking to his buddies, he was basically saying that I went crazy for a while. I just kept muttering to myself, they're gone, they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. And I'm almost, I think, from his perspective, that this is just him kind of dealing with their deaths deaths in uh, a manner that might invoke madness from his perspective. Like he's going kind of crazy being alone in this big house, but um, 
he definitely sticks around still. And it's definitely, and all those things are feasible, right? I mean, he goes, he goes to the historical society to talk to Claire, tells her what he's seen. And, you know, I think she even says something like, you know, Hey, you know, John, you've, you know, you're, you're, you've done, you mean working a lot of hours and you're doing all this stuff. Is it possible? You're just, you're just doing too much, you know? Um, yeah. And then, you know, what's her name? She has a very interesting name. Miss Huxley. Is that oh, her name? Oh, the, the, the other, I think her first name was Minnie. Cause I remember her talking to Mr. Carmichael later on in the movie. And I think he calls her Minnie. Or something, something like that. Minnie yeah. Huxley. Minnie Huxley. I something definitely like remember that. Huxley. That's a cool Is name. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So she kind of gives a little spooky stuff saying like, Ooh, yeah, that move, the house is very, the house doesn't like people. Yeah. House. Uh, what does she say? Uh, that house is not fit to, 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 to live in. There you go. Obviously, I, yeah. you know, we can talk about it now. Uh, Miss Huxley is aware of some stuff with Senator Carmichael. She doesn't know the full details. That would make a lot of sense. I don't expect her to. But she does know that uh, it's a sensitive matter for Senator Carmichael. Yeah. So her saying that to Russell is kind of her way of saying it's a spooky house. We've had trouble. Tenants have had trouble in that house before. That's why it's been 12 years since anyone's lived there. You should probably get out. But it's all insinuation. You know, she's just yeah. kind of saying, you know. She's trying to freak him out. Yeah, get out of there, basically. She's trying to, she's trying to freak him out. If it was me, it would have worked, and I would have been gone. Because I think she says something like that. The house, the house doesn't want people. Yeah, you know? and, uh, uh, you know, it seems that way. I oh, mean, All absolutely. the spooky stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, if a place is going to be uncomfortable for me to live in, what you do is you, you, you try to leave. You do everything you can to leave. Um, might be hard, but that's what you do. Um, so movie progresses, and then we get some more stuff. Again, all these spooky scenes are just baby Carmichael trying to get Russell to, you know, figure everything out. Yeah. So it's try, just, trying to lead him to all of these clues kind of, you know, to, to, to kind of Scooby-Doo this thing. You know, I need you to I'm going to do I'm going to break the window on the third floor. Um, you're going to, you're going to see this because you're leaving the house and it's going to have, and you're going to, well, Russell's curious enough to want to know where it comes from. Of course. So he, he sees at the very top of the the building that there's this red glass and that's the same red glass that's popped down onto the ground for some unexplained reason. So he investigates, he can't find that room. Then he finds out that the room has been boarded up. Yeah. Like a whole closet or something. Like it's been turned into a closet. But behind that closet is a doorway that then leads upstairs to essentially an attic. Does he does he feel a breeze? Do you remember that? I, I thought maybe he because you know when you when you Whatever. open up the door, it, it just looks like a closet. And I thought he saw a breeze come through. And maybe how do you a, see a breeze? Well, if 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 there's breeze coming through and it, let's say it hits, uh, I don't know, a cobweb yeah, or a paper. Yeah, I think, it, or I think something. he just saw like he the, just saw like I think uh, he just saw like oh yeah, there's like space here at the top. Oh, I thought I thought he'd he'd. You know, like maybe, Indiana maybe, Jones did or something. Yeah, Indiana Jones did. Yeah, like no, maybe maybe a breeze was, came through and he felt it or saw it or something. There was no like cobwebs or anything. And there was no like whistling sound. Usually you hear like a whistling, True. like ooh. No, <laughs> no I think, is that how I a think, whistle? Hold on, yeah. what is, how does a whistle go? Ooh. Ooh. I think no, he just saw some space. And of course Russell's like, okay, well, yeah, I can't find this place. This place is obviously boarded up. Then he just makes a mess. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, Mr. Tuttle's going to be the one having to clean this up. <laughs> and then if you notice, I don't know if they just reuse the same shot over and over again, but you see the same two boards in the shot whenever we're looking from the attic downwards where uh, Russell did his business and got everything out of there. 
You see the same two bars. Like, what the hell? Why didn't they clean it up? Oh. Yeah. I didn't notice and that. And it just bothered me. Like, oh, really? Why wouldn't you just clean up these two boards? So, so when you're looking down from the attic. Yeah, there's two boards that were like part of whatever. Blocked, <laughs> blocking the, the doorway. Yeah. It's like you cleaned everything else up. There was like paint cans and like broken vases. You couldn't move those two boards. Oh, I didn't even notice. I don't know. I just noticed it every single time and it took me out. Oh, really? Yeah, like what, what the hell is Mr. Tuttle doing? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's not earning his keep. Uh, the guy sucks. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Uh, that's weird uh, that you, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't even notice it. It's not important. I no, just I know. noticed it and it bothered me for some I, reason. No, I, I get you. I, there are times when I notice stuff in movies and, it, and I just, I can't let it go. And I didn't notice it, but yeah, now next time I'm watching, now I'm going to notice it. Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, so he finds the attic. Um, he goes upstairs and then he sees like a whole bunch of cobwebs and just real. Hold on. This I, but, but remember when he's trying to, he's trying to, there's a lock on the door Oh right. and he's taking a hammer and he's banging this thing. And, and, and then all of a sudden we hear that banging, you know, and, and then he finally, and then he, he keeps banging on it. And then the door, uh, the lock comes off and he's trying to push the door in he's mm. using all his weight. And then. The door opens up by itself. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's yeah, cool. I actually like that. Yeah. yeah, I like that too. But yeah, it gets up into this attic and it's, I mean, yeah, it's dusty. It's cobwebs everywhere. It's, you can tell no one's been in it forever. And he's, you know, he's, he's looking around. Finds a, I think he finds a, a journal. Is it a diary or a journal? Same difference, I guess. It's dated like 1909 or something like that. Um, and it's, it's obviously, you know, he, I, I don't know if he opens it up at this point. You know, but uh, then I think he finds uh, he's looking around. You see the old wheelchair, you know, um, I think he sees the music box. He opens up the music box and it starts playing this this music that he definitely recognizes. Well, it's music he composed earlier in the movie. Yeah. For the first time. For the first time, which right. he never had heard before. So either he stole it, which we, he didn't, or, you know, this is uh, something trying to commu- communicate with him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Using his music. Yeah. So, yeah. And then uh, there's a lot of like cobwebs in here. So, you know, it's like super old because there's a lot of cobwebs and dust. Yeah. Uh, whatever. It's just how you know it's old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. I always wonder how, how do they, how do they do that? Cause they look great. Right. I mean, I, I know, I know, I, I, you know, you got people that work on these things and, and, and that is their job to make it look that way. But I've, I've always wondered like, well, so- for me, I know there's probably no spider alive that creates that many cobwebs without there being like corpses of dead bugs in them. Sure. I don't know. I, it, I, it, yeah. it annoyed me and it's like, okay, yeah. they just have this here because that's what old things look like. They're trying to convey the fact that yeah. it's old and no one has been in this room in 50, 60. I don't know how many Would years. Would there even yeah. be like dust? I can see there being Dirt, yeah, cut, like blown in from like the outside, but like dust. What's I, making it dusty? Yeah, it's true. Is well, it like dust, like a combination of dirt and like dead skin from like your body and all this other stuff floating down? Uh, like, where's the dust coming from? Interesting. Yeah, where are the mm-hmm. spiders coming from, and why are so many spiders making so many webs? So many webs. Isn't yeah. it like dead real estate? Wouldn't they know that not a lot of bugs come up here? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. True. I mean, I, like for me, yeah. it's just like cliche. It you is cliche. It is. It's it's a way to convey that. Yeah, that it's it's it, yeah. It's super old. No one's no one's hit, no one's visited in a long time. It's been closed off. 
Um, so yeah, but I'm always curious though how yeah they did a damn good job because it looked it looked old. I mean, you know, if if we're if we're to believe that cobwebs and dust make something look old, then they they succeeded. Yeah. I don't know. It's like they took a reverse of a vacuum and just went and just yeah, shot all over the place. Yeah, and we get the glimpse of the of the wheelchair. Yeah, for you know, obviously it's a small, it's a small old wooden, you know, wooden wheelchair, creepy looking. You know, I I always, I mean, it's it's on the poster, and I just always thought it was really, it's a it's a really cool and, and powerful image. Um, so, but he calls uh, after he hears the music box. I think he calls. Doesn't he call Claire over? Yeah, Claire gets, you know, Russell is very quiet when he's ta- when he's kind of experienced all this, but Claire is far more emotional about it. She kind of pieces everything together pretty fast. You notice that the the wheelchair is for a a small person. I mean, so it's most likely for a child. Yeah. And she feels pretty upset about it. Um and then Russell kind of explains to her about the music box yeah. and about the the journal from 1909, clearly written by a child yeah um so you know they've got kind of their their first big clues of what's going on and i think at this point in the film you know russell explains to claire that all this stuff that's been happening to him is maybe for this person or boy or child to communicate with him yeah they're doing and then we start getting a push from russell to figure out what's going on so i think i think now they try to investigate what's happened before in the house correct so they go to the historical society pull up some documents. Huxley says, Hey, get out of there. And then I think not too long afterwards, Huxley then talks to Senator Carmichael says, Hey, people are checking this out. Yeah. Just to kind of, you know, Hey, you know, you know, I want you to be aware that this is happening. Um, they are getting some sort of assistance. I mean, they're going, I, I don't know if this is a library libraries, keep old, um, Newspaper. No, clippings. it's the historical society, the same place that Claire it, works. Was for. it the same place? And then I they also was a look at uh, once they've got like the data or whatever, and mm-hmm. they suspect something weird might have happened during that time. They go to what, like some sort of archive where they have like those old newspaper things. Yeah. And I love this technology. I know I've too. never messed with it before, but they do it in like The Ring and a bunch of other movies. I, I've used it before, actually. Yeah. something similar back in the, uh, you know. Uh, looking up old documents, it's all, almost on like microfiche, and so part of uh, you know part of uh, my job back in the day, um, you know, th- not so much anymore because you know documents are are, are mainly uh, digital these days. But um, um, yeah, I would have to, uh, I'd have to, you know, you would take almost like a tape and you pop it in, and you you know you kind of you know there's different ones, but you turn and and it would you know fast forward to different areas, and this is kind of you know this is a little different, but the same sort of concept. Um, I've always loved these because they seem so cool. It's also, you know, like you can restore like old 35 millimeter film and it looks amazing. Like we've always had pretty good technology, even though it's progressed throughout the years. But if you just take the time to clean it up, it looks great. And that's what I've always liked about these is, yeah, these are super old, but the like they're super clear. They've got like this whole wealth of information. You can zoom in on them. They're just awesome. I just kind of love the idea. Kind of would want to mess with one at some point. But yeah, and then they kind of do some investigative work there, and that's where they find out, um, you nope. know, yeah, something happened to the boy. No, no, no the, the, the daughter. Yeah, the daughter of a previous, was it a previous uh, resident or owner or? Well, this know? is a, yeah, this is for Carmichael, right? I, because we're, we're going to find out later that 
issues with the will of these two children, I think. No. No, I, I'm getting this mixed no, up. Though. Yeah, no, it's okay. Because it is, this part is a little, um, you know, a little, little confusing. I think that, you know, they, they wanted just to find out if anything weird had happened in the home. They, they come across an article where I think it was a previous resident, maybe, um, I, I'm not going to say owner, but someone else was living there and there was an accident and, and I think their daughter okay. was killed. So this is just a red herring. Basically, yeah. yeah. This is just something that uh, kind of throws them off the trail for a bit. Um, I don't know if it throws them off. It, I mean, he. But it, we know it's instead of a girl, it's going to be Michael or, or Carmichael. Yeah, Carmichael. Yeah, Carmichael. Yeah, but we know it's Joseph. Um, but the 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 girl that was killed was she died kind of similar to how his daughter died. Died, which is what I think she got. It was a, some sort of accident. It was some sort and, of like coal cart. Yeah, and so he, you know, sees a similarity. They go. Yeah, I think they go to the. They go to the um, oh gosh, I think they go to the cemetery. They they see the plots, or the tombstones, and you know, and he's you know he's he's you know I think he says something to Claire like you know they're they're trying to communicate with me. This is very similar to how my daughter died. So this is not a this isn't a coincidence. So you know they 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 do some more uh, they do some more research. Um, I think he's looking through. Uh, yeah, I think he's he's at home. He's rem- reminiscing. He's looking through an old photo album of him and his you know his family. Yeah, that's where we get the ball scene. Oh man, I love and that. that scene's dope. <laughs> it's really good. It it is like you were saying earlier. It's easily, you know, one of the one two top three freakiest parts in this movie. Don't um, they like mess with that same scene in like Sinister or The Conjuring Two or something, where they have that same scene with the ball on prob- the staircase? Probably. I I know I've seen this before again not too long ago, but yeah, that's it's always creepy. And of course, it's like relevant because as his daughter's ball. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we see, yeah we see her. There's I think there's a, a scene earlier in the in the movie where um he's you know he's leaving his old apartment to move to Washington and they're packing they're boxing up everything and he just has I think he just has a moment where he you know he 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 flashes back and his daughter's playing with the ball I think she throws it to him or something and so yeah so he keeps the ball it's it's very important to him. Yeah, I I remember when I was watching this last night, um, seeing that I was like, oh yeah, I'm in for a pretty good movie because it's doing some interesting stuff with the cutting. It's a great, it's a it's a fantastic scene. Um, it's uh, you know, it's very chilling. <laughs> I again, it's it's it, there's two scenes in this movie. It's the it's the scene with that I said earlier, the scene with the wheelchair, and this scene. And every time, and I've seen this movie so many times, and I know it's coming, and I know it's going to happen. And it still gets me every time. Yeah, I I find it scary, um, but I find it scary in a way that doesn't make me jump or whatever. It just creeps me out, sort of internally, and it makes my eyes water. It to me, it reminds me. Uh, it um, it doesn't. It's not that it's the same, but it's the same feeling I get when I watch it, which is The Exorcist and the Spider Walk scene that we've talked about in the past. I know it's coming, but it it is so eerie to me and freaky to me, and it always. It's just, it's just a scene that, yeah, it just gives me the chills every single time. And, and again, it's a, uh, it's a sign of, of, of a great scene or a great movie that can do that to you after you've seen it, you know, several times. I mean, it's a real, it's a well-constructed scene. And I think we've talked about this, like Howard Hawks is all about, yeah, if you make like uh, a good movie is like a scene that has like five good scenes in it. And this movie, that's like one of their, it's great scenes like it for sure. Um, so if, if, if we're only like talking about if a movie's good based on the number of good scenes it has, that's one of like the most well-constructed like horror scenes I've seen in a very long time. 
then yeah, like yeah. It, it earns that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then not too long afterwards, um, he does the whole psychic thing, and so then the seance happens. But remember, we don't want to skip the, the so we so he's the ball comes down, the ball comes down the stairs. Excuse me, and he takes the ball. Yeah, we've talked about it though. Yeah, he yeah. tries to get rid of it. The ball comes back, yeah, throws it in yeah. the throws it drives it to the bridge, throws it in the river. And he comes home, and yeah, here comes the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we did. We chatted about it a little earlier. I, I just, I, I just love the scene so much. I know. I, yeah, but, but correct. Yeah, I think at this point, is, is he, is he, he goes to the the university. They, they, they mention a medium, and this is where the seance happens. Yep, very spooky. And I wouldn't be surprised if like, this is like the first time something like a seance happened on film in this way. It's the first. It's like the earliest example of it for me that I've seen. It's really cool. Um, where they've got, you know, he's recording it. They're at the table. And then um, at least the first the first part of this seance, because there's like two parts. The first part is with the pen and paper where the medium is trying to and talk. Pencil. Pencil and paper, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I'm trying to I say. I know what you're saying. Like, it is pencil. Yeah. Um, and she's just kind of going. She's just writing. And she's not really writing anything. She's just kind of like. Like a almost scribbles, you know, what's that like device that records or checks for earthquakes? Oh, uh, crap. Yeah. Yeah, I I know it's it's exactly like that. Or like a lie detector test where you've just kind of like got a needle. Yeah. Like her arm is the needle. It scribbles. And as soon as the boy starts talking, that's when it's not scribbles anymore. It's like the written word of what the boy is saying. So like, help me or Joseph or something like that. But besides that, it's like, yeah, just the yeah, just the yeah, the, the the yeah, I know what you're talking about. Just the scribbling and it's it's really gibberish. It's nothing mm-hmm. until she makes contact with this spirit or this this entity. Right. And this is really, really cool. So she, the medium, they're asking questions, the medium's getting the boy's name. Um uh I forget what else happens. I just remember it being cool. Well, but I but before <laughs> it's very cool. What I like before the before it all started, because her, I think the medium is Lynn, and she's joined by her husband. And while they're setting up, she goes and walks up to the to the attic and just, you know, she doesn't say anything, but you get the feeling that, yeah, this is, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling this energy. I feel like if I was a medium and I was, like, sensitive to that stuff, I wouldn't want to be going up to, like, a place where this boy died and where he's probably chilling in the afterlife up there, no. being all, like, angry and stuff. Oh, gosh, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, you know, we... If this is, you know, if this has happened to John and, you know, he's feeling whatever he's feeling, if you are a medium and you're legit, you get a whole other, a whole other feeling of what's happening. And I can't, and and it's got to be a lot worse than what they're, what they're feeling, what they're sensing, what they're hearing. You know, it's magnified when it comes to this person, you know, they're right. I mean, it's almost like a, I don't know, know, a beacon of this just, just. I don't know, just terrible, bad energy. Right. So this scene's about 10 minutes long or something like that. And if we're, if we're going on the Howard Hawks metric, this is another really, really great scene. Yeah. Um, it's split into two parts, one with the uh, the writing and then one with that weird, um, like, aluminum cone that's kind of on the table. Yeah. What What do you think that is? Do you think that's like I a... think that's, like, supposed to be, like, an antenna for Joseph. Oh, that's great. I love it. I don't know, Yeah, though. the antenna for the spirits? For... Yes, and sort of like just some some way to get him to communicate easier, like to pick him up. Yeah, but it I don't did, know. The, an antenna for the afterlife. Yeah, or something. yeah, that's kind of cool. 
Yeah, I think you're right, though. I think you're right on the money. I mean, it makes sense. And then there's that. There's a uh, a glass, uh, like a, a, some sort of glass. I don't know what kind of glass it is. Just a glass, some crystal glass on the table, and then and then it shoots across the room and hits and just I don't know if what it hits the fireplace or just shatters. Very, you know, right. very very cool. So the medium is trying to do the trying to communicate, and then like Joseph just kind of throws a fit. Is <laughs> kind of how I took it because I've seen this movie already. But you've got like people trying to like jump in on his house and he's trying to get help, but not in the way he necessarily wants it. And then you got some lady trying to like ask him a bunch of questions. I'd probably get mad too. Yeah. He's, so yeah. Then he, yeah. He throws a glass across the, the room. Shoots the glass. I, I, I like getting back to the first part of the seance when, like you're saying, when she's asking questions to Joseph and, you know, she's asking specific questions, you know, um, you know, what's your name? Uh, you know, uh, how did you die? You know, and then she asks something about, you know, what do you want or something? And he keeps saying help and then help and then John. And I, I was very, very, very cool. Very. Uh, right. And this I is just kind of uh, like um, it's a uh, it's. What's the word? It's not clarification. It's not evidence. It's what can you help me confirmation. Out? There we what? go. Yeah. God, it's it's, conf- it's confirmation that Russell is right that someone is trying to communicate with him and needs his help and so not long uh right after this uh the seance uh russell then goes back and listens to the tape again man this is great and this reminds me of like the conversation or something where or even in there's a scene like in the exorcist too with the whole like playing the stuff backwards backwards i love stuff where yeah he's just kind of like going back and he couldn't hear it during the seance, but he can hear it on the tape where Joseph is, or John is talking. Joseph is, why are, why are the two name characters both named with J names, dude? <laughs> I know. John where, is, where yeah. Baby Carmichael is uh, Baby Carmichael. trying to talk, uh, or he, he, his voice is picking up on the tape, and yeah. so he's going back. And it honestly kind of like goes on a little bit too long for me because he's going like, bzz, bzz, well, bzz. he's, he does it like 10 times. I was like, dude, but each time he's turning up the volume, you know, he's, yeah, but you heard it the first time. I know, but you know, you know, you know, uh, what it reminded me of is uh, Sixth Sense, the Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis. When no, he's, I, I know the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. But what I'm saying is, do you remember there's a scene where he's doing that, the tape recorder, and then he turns it up and you can hear stuff in the background. Yeah, but nothing was changing. He he heard that voice like ten fucking times. Come on, man. I know. How but many times I do you love have to the hear scene. It? I but see to me, I, I like it I too. I I like it a lot. I but it's think. like it would have been better if you just like took you just uh, didn't like go back two more times. I thought it was. I I thought it was just enough. I didn't think it was as too many times. That's but funny because I I got it. It's like you're testing my patience. This movie's an hour forty five minutes. It could have been an hour and like forty four minutes. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. So, uh, yeah, so he, um, uh, I think, if, don't we get it like a, after he hears all this and it's, I mean, it's super powerful and, um, you know, we, uh, does he call Claire over? Cause we, I know he calls Claire. He, he, I mean, he is obviously just super upset and emotional about this. And then he calls, um, he calls, uh, um, uh, Claire on the telephone and, uh, and, um, he passes out. Doesn't he pass out? Yeah, he's going through some stuff right here. Everything's kind of spooky. And uh yeah, I don't it's not really explained. I just assumed it was like the stress or like the it was too spooky for him. You know? But yeah, he passes out attempting to call someone 
It's I think Claire. That someone is supposed to be Claire oh, no, because then Claire shows up. No, it is Claire because he calls Claire and he apologizes. No, but we don't him. know who he's calling, right? Yeah, we do. He, he I says, don't remember him being on the phone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he was on the phone. He 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 calls. He goes into the other room um, after he's heard this, and he's uh, like I said, he's very emotional. He picks up the phone. He apologizes for calling. I think it. You know, I don't know if he says I'm sorry for calling so late. Um, and then he yeah he passes out. Claire is you know Claire comes over. She listens to it. She's just as upset as he is you know so um yeah that that all happens um i think we at some point around this time there's this we hear this um or we see this 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 you know this vision of what what had transpired the the father you know the father years and years ago drowning this boy um we see you know uh, we we yeah, see it the- we, we see the flashback and what's interesting is i didn't rem- i didn't take it as um, Russell getting that information. I thought it was just for the audience. But, I think so. But we find out later on that, uh, like Russell says, that he 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 saw what happened when he's talking to Senator Carmichael. So I I think this is supposed to be a dream sequence for oh, okay. Russell. Yeah, because we hear that. I mean, but it's know, not obvious. No, no, it's not. You know, um, that we you know we know the banging is you know we thought of course we thought it was the furnace or the pipes. No, it was it was the boy being drowned and he's banging against the side of the tub. Is this and and when he's like listening back to the tapes, does he hear mention of the well, or does he find that when he's looking at sort of like the records I, of uh, like the lots being no, sold? No, I that? think there were certain. Um, I I don't remember if where the well came into play oh, well, here. It comes into play at some point, and then he sort of does some digging, finds that the well is probably the place where the boy was buried. Yeah. Um, and then he actually goes. And intrudes on this person who's just trying to enjoy her life, right, with her family. Yeah. And then he mentions that the seance happened three nights ago. And then she's like, oh, three nights ago? That's crazy. That's when my daughter saw a boy coming out of the floorboards. And then she, like, says, okay, you can have permission to – well, another spooky scene happens. And I found this very interesting because, like – it, when we're going into the spooky scene, we're actually getting, like, what seems to be a perspective shot of something outside of the house and then it moves into the house yeah um through the wall but it's like russell's already underneath or i'm sorry uh, uh baby carmichael Joseph, is yeah. already underneath the like house why is he like coming in quote unquote from outside of the house i just thought it was like this weird framing device that the movie I, was u- using i i agree i, I felt that it, that and it uses it twice it does it twice i felt it was irrelevant it, it didn't make any sense um before you know, just go back just a little bit because um, the scene I so when when we go to when we go to to see this you know this drowning in the bathroom, I don't know about you, but I loved this shot, and this was the 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 shot of of going up the stairs and going through the you know going up the floors and going up. The, I just I've always loved. I don't know what you call this shot. It's from a it's from a different perspective. Um, I I know you see Sam Raimi does it in some of his movies. Um, and I don't know what it's called, but I've always, I've always really liked this. And, and, and we see it a couple times. Uh, we see it, you know, we see it when, when, you know, we see this, you know, the boy being drowned by his father, you know, this, this scene going just, it, you know, it's really fast and it's going up the stairs and, and sometimes it goes through doors and I, I, I don't know what it's called. I don't know if there's a name for it, but it's, it's always very, it's, it's a super cool visual for me. Um, we see it later on in the movie too, with the wheelchair, um, but yeah, you know, they, 
they I, I think there was at some point I thought on the paper there were a few words written down, and I think it was written down by John, and he wrote like ranch, he wrote the word Carmichael, he wrote the word metal. So he they started investigating some more and you know found out that I think the Carmichaels had owned a ranch. Over time it was, you know, it was uh it was converted, I think, just to a, a regular single family residence. I, I, I do know it's it's on water or, you know, near water. Um, but, um, you know, they, they, they go. Yeah. Like you said, they go they go to this house. The woman, the woman basically said, hey, if this was if this was prior to three days ago, I would have told you, you know, get the hell out of here. But, you know, this is what my daughter saw three days ago. You know, um, they show her they show their uh, they show them the bedroom. And, of course, you know, they want to. They want to basically uh, dig, you know, I, I think it was hardwood floors. So, they, you know, they want to dig and she goes, well, you know, give me some, give me some time to think about it. And then I think her and her daughter, you know, sleeping. the daughter doesn't look like she's sleeping at all, probably can't sleep because of what happened. And she goes back to the bedroom and sees the same image that she saw three days ago, which is Joseph drowning. <laughs> and at that point, it's like, yes, yeah, you can dig. So go ahead. And I think they, you know. They start digging, um, you know, there's people and they're helping. I, I don't know. I think it's not super important. But I think these are probably maybe some of the students that he, you know, from his, from the university is helping him out. Oh, I didn't think that was it at all. I thought no? it was just some random handyman. The guy had like a truck and everything. Was and it? Professional equipment. Oh, and maybe, you maybe you're right. Yeah. So they dig, they find. Uh, not important. Yeah. So they, they find the well, they're digging in the well. They find a, they find a skeleton. Yeah. You know. I wonder who it could be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mystery, right? Um, so, you know, the, 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 I think the, 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 I don't know, the police are there, the detective or whoever, you know, uh, do you know who this is, you know, John? And he plays dumb. You know, of course he knows who's it is, who, who it is, but he doesn't want to say anything. Uh, everyone leaves. He, he, uh, he comes back to the house, breaks, uh, breaks one of the windows, goes back uh, down the, you know, into the well. And then uh, he can't find the necklace, but then the necklace appears. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. The way they just kind of reversed the film. Kind of the reverse film. Yeah, yeah. I'm into that. I love that stuff, yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't see that anymore. It's kind of a lost art, you know. I guess there's no need for it with, with CGI and everything else, but I, I love those types of effects. So he finds the, finds the, the necklace. Because, I mean, they keep calling it a gold medal, but it's a necklace. You know, it's an, it's a, it's a, you know, a called a family heirloom. I well, think that's, I thought, it's mentioned, you know, it has his name on it. Right. I thought it was yep. like some sort of almost like a birth certificate that proves uh, that he is who he is. Well, uh, it was probably just something that, you know, that was engraved for him, you know, when he was, when he was a kid and he, something he wore, you know, is it a gold, it's gold chain. Right. It, it, either way, it's some sort of proof for him to sort of verify who his identity is. Yeah, it's true. So, um, I, I know there was a mention of, uh, early on, there was a mention of, um, John had written down a sacred heart. And I, I think Claire had mentioned about, there used to be an orphanage, um, you know, back in the day called sacred heart. Um, I, I, you know, does that, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But anyways, um, yeah. Cause I think that's around the time we see the, um, you know, we talked about it earlier, the wheelchair scene, you know. They talk about this um, again. I know we're going back a little bit, but I love this wheelchair scene so much. Um, you know, Claire hears it. 
they talk about Sacred Heart, and then she comes out of the room and then sees the wheelchair. Um, yeah, I know we're going back just a little bit, but again, I love this part so much because it's so it's 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 so cool. You know, um, it's just it's just chilling at the top of the at the top of the stairs. Yeah. So, anyways, it's scary. Yeah. So, um, you know, Minnie has called, you know, Mr. Carmichael, you know, um, you know, kind of to tell him what's up. He, he writes down the names John and Claire. You know, they're going through the old files, blah, blah, blah. You know, all these, all these things are happening at this point. You know, um, you know, we start to get, we start to kind of, you know, John is piecing together everything that's kind of, you know, happened. You know, we find out, um, you know, that the little boy is Joseph Carmichael. Um, the Senator Carmichael is supposed to be Joseph. Um, we know that he's not the, he's not the real deal. Um, you know, interrupt me at any time, but, uh, the, the, the family, the Carmichael family was, was rich. Uh, the, the, there was a, uh, there was a mother and a father and they had a son. The mother had passed away and, and the son, uh, was to, uh, uh, he was the heir. He was the heir. I of, thought uh, Father Carmichael was a stepfather for Baby Carmichael, and that's why uh, the will well, was not yeah, bequeathed yeah. to him. And instead, it was going to Baby Carmichael. Um, I don't think and, it was stepfather. I think it was his, just his father. So it would be the the, the son in law, and the 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 grandfather didn't like didn't like him. I think that I think the dad's name was I don't know if it was Richard. I I don't know why that's jumping out okay. at me, but I'm probably wrong on that. He did not like the father, so he basically willed everything to Joseph. But Joseph was uh, – he had, he had some sort of arthritis. His health was horrible, and we were talking early 1900s. So, you know, the father is like, well, I think, it, I think uh, John had mentioned somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 or $70 million that, that Joseph is going to inherit once, once the grandfather passes away. But the the the, uh, the 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 son-in-law, Joseph's dad, isn't going to get any of this because Joseph is frail. He is going to die, so he concocts a plan. I am going to. Um, well, the money. Let's say baby Carmichael dies. The money will then not go to the the, it, the father. Yeah, it it'll gets, then go to charity. Yeah. So what? Uh, Father Carmichael, not Grandfather Carmichael, right? Because Grandfather Carmichael is the one who has the money. But Father Carmichael is concocts a plan. I'm just going to kill the boy. You know, he's feral. I'm not going to take a chance on it. Because if he dies before he turns 18, the money just goes away. So he kills baby Carmichael. Then he sends uh, another boy from that he just gets from the orphanage to Europe. Switzerland. Right. Becomes magically cleared, cured. Well, it's ten, and then yeah. comes back ten years later. But see, they they both go to Switzerland, and because of the war, it was all convenience. You know, it all worked itself out because so much time they couldn't come back because of the war. I'm not sure quite why that was, but it, it it's convenient as to the story. They were gone ten years, so when he comes back, he's 18. So ten years, I mean, you know, of course he's not going to look the same. So anyone that had known Joseph to begin with is doesn't know him now. You know, for all they know, it's him. And so 10 years has passed. He's 18. You know, this is where the, the changeling that comes in. You know, he's been switched out. You know, the, 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 the true heir, Joseph, was murdered by the father. He was drowned. You know, we go to Sacred Heart Orphanage. We replace him with this other kid, this other boy. He's healthy. 
you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to reap the benefits of all this, all these millions of dollars. Right. And, uh, this, this boy, this changeling that was replaced with the baby Carmichael is actually Senator Carmichael. Senator Carmichael. Right. Correct. And, um, you know, and, and it's like, does, does he, he, he doesn't seem to know this, but he's always had a suspicion that maybe he at least knows something fishy was going on. Um, he knows enough that, uh, he needs to hide it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, at this point, we have uh, Senator Car- uh, 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 John confronts Mr. Carmichael, Senator Carmichael, at the airport. He's getting on his private jet. Um, you know, he's rambling. It's it's loud. I mean, the jet's going. You know, they're getting ready to leave, and so he's you know he's ram he's yelling a bunch of stuff. He's contained. Uh, he does have that um, that necklace in his hand. You know, um, so so uh, you know. Uh, Senator Carmichael leaves. Um, he, I think he tells, you know, someone, Hey, you know, call up so-and-so call up captain, you know, do it her so-and-so have them, have them check out uh, John. Right. So yeah. DeWitt does check out John and then uh, he makes some threats saying, Hey man, we're going to come back with a warrant. We're going to get that necklace that uh, Senator Carmichael lost that he believes you have, um, you know, so stop causing trouble or you're going to have some trouble come towards you. Um, so he's basically blackmailing him to get him to stop all this nonsense um, from Senator Carmichael's perspective anyway, because yeah. his position is very uh, sensitive and powerful and important for him. Sure. So, uh, you know, obviously baby dead Carmichael doesn't like this. And then on his way out of there, DeWitt's wherever he's going to go, maybe to probably to get the warrant, right? Doesn't matter. His car <laughs> becomes fully upturned. And there's a giant like hole in the windshield and DeWitt dies. Um, and this is uh, probably around the time that uh, when uh, Russell at uh, the house, uh, when Elmira breaks them when he's looking into it, yeah. and it kind of stabs him in the neck. So it's probably Russell, or I'm sorry, Baby Carmichael doing some weird stuff, you know, baby dead magic stuff and uh, killing DeWitt and then kind of unintentionally hurting uh, Russell. Yeah, a little shard of glass, I think, from the mirror gets him. But yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah so uh, Carmichael. Kind of a cool scene, though, right? The right you know, we see this face of DeWitt. I, I, I like that. I mean, it's yeah. very reminiscent of that time, you know, um, I don't, you know, late, late seventies, early eighties, but, um, yeah, so that, that's a cool seal. Yeah. DeWitt is dead. Claire calls him on the payphone. In the meantime, you know, the John's lease has been canceled. Claire has been, you know, forced out of the historical society. She's been forced to resign. So DeWitt's dead. Right. You this know. is just more. You know, more yeah. ploys by Carmichael to get all yeah. this stuff to stuff. Mr. Carmichael comes back, finds out that, that DeWitt, uh, you know, has has died, calls a meeting between uh, him and John. John comes to the, you know, the senator's house. You know, there's, you know, John basically tells him, look, this this is the deal, man. You know, this is what happened. Of course, you know, Mr. Carmichael is upset by it. You know, I, he, you know, he loved his father, um, you know, uh, he thought his father was a good man. And here is this. Here's John, you know, Russell, you know, tell, telling all this, you know, he thinks are lies, you know, these, this uh, can't be real, you know? So, um, he goes to write him a check, you know, how much is it going to cost? And he, I don't want your money, you know? So he goes to leave. I think he puts down the, he gives him the necklace. He gives him the tape recordings. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember what else he, he puts on the table, you know? Um, but yeah. So, uh, what else, what else happens here? Oh, we get the last set piece of the movie. Um, I I think uh, 
Russell wants to communicate with John in some fashion again, or maybe he's just coming back from Carmichael's to say, yeah, I, this is done. I think Claire, doesn't Claire call, Claire calls uh, John. There's no answer. So she goes to the house while John is, is with Senator Carmichael. So Claire gets to the house. The timeline isn't clear because that's yeah. what I thought too. Um, but I'm not so sure. I think because, it's around this time. Because uh, Russell shows up not long afterwards. Because then she gets chased away by the the wheelchair. Because she hears she hears uh, she she comes in the house. She can't find John, but that she hears John's voice. So she goes to the second floor, doesn't see him. Goes to the third floor, um, you know, because she she's hearing his voice. And so then we see the the wheelchair coming at her. And I I love this part because this is you know the, the, we, from the perspective of the wheelchair, this wheelchair is chasing her down these, you know, uh, down the stairs. It's really I. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, she ends up uh, falling down the stairs. So does the wheelchair. John shows up to the house and, you know, so. Um, uh, what? Oh, yeah. That he's he, he takes her out of the house. She's she's upset. He goes back in the house and she's like, you know, don't do this, you know, Claire. Or I mean, uh, John, you know, it's not a good idea to get back in the house. Um, but this and it's kind of cool because then we see the chandeliers moving, but it's all in a slow kind of cool slow motion. You know, uh, there's all this wind and not sure why there's wind, but there's wind and he gets pushed off of the balcony, falls to the ground. Um, I, I like this scene as well. You know, I love the whole idea of this chandelier. You know, it's just the slow motion thing is really cool, you know. But, um, you know, did you like that? Yeah, that's cool. I, I did, right? I mean, I just the whole the whole slow motion thing is cool with me with the chandelier. I don't know. It's just it kind of added a dimension to the scene. But he falls off the balcony, lands on the ground. I think he's knocked out for a little bit. Um the center of this point is is uh you know, we see the center come to the house. And you know, and I'd seen this scene several times, but this kind of was confusing. So it's like the senator really didn't come to the house. We think he's coming in the house. The house is now on fire. Um, he's walking up the stairs, the stairs collapse, but he's, he's walking, um, you know, primarily up to the, to the, um, to the, the third floor, you know, where all this had happened to, to see, to see the, the drowning of, of, you know, the real Joseph by his father. Um, yeah, it's almost like a projection of him. I was expecting that, uh, he would stop it from happening and that would be like sort of retribution for him or like uh you know not passing the punishment that uh baby carmichael was going to pass which would be killing senator carmichael you know but he doesn't stop it he just watches it and that's just confirmation that yeah his uh father was a murderer and he did it for profit yeah they inherited all of this this wealth and he and he uh yeah he he basically reaped the benefits of this his whole life and it wasn't his. He didn't deserve it. It wasn't his. You know, it was all just a big damn lie, you know? So, um, but uh, I, you know, they, uh, I think there's a scene where the chandelier, you know, chandelier almost hits John. John gets up to, you know, to leave the house. Um, the house starts to kind of go up in flames, right? And then we see the, the we see the senator, the, you know, the senator's really not there, but yeah, it's, it's like this, you know, this vision or this image of, of him there and seeing all this, but he's really still in his home and he has a, uh, he has a heart attack and, and dies, you know, because of, of this, you know, this was obviously, this was a lot for him to take in and, and he, yeah, he has a heart attack. And I don't know, is it, is it because of that or is it because J- Joseph in some way has, 
you know, ha- has has caused this heart attack. Oh, it's definitely Joseph. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. It's him passing judgment and you know, uh, becoming at peace or whatever. Like he has to punish someone. The dad is dead, so he has to punish Carmichael. Yeah, I mean, he's the next. I guess the next best thing. Well, yeah, that's know? his changeling. That's the one that uh, got his fortune, essentially. Yeah, got what it, was supposed it was to the be reason him. for him being yeah, dead in the first being place. Being murdered. I mean, you know, that's really what this boils down to: is he was murdered. You know, and 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 um, so the, I I think Mr. Carmichael was taken away in the ambulance. He's, I mean, I don't know if he was pronounced dead at the time, but. Uh, you know, we, 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 we assume he's dead. Then they, the ambulance passes by the house. Who's the house is, you know, the house is, is burning down. It, it's, it's, it's going up in flames. It, 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 you know, uh, the next scene I think is morning and we, we see the, the remnants of this, of this burned down house. It's, it's gone. You know, there's some, there's some things that are, we see the, the wheelchair um, and we see the music box. And then uh, the music box opens up and plays the music. And then, you know, we got credits. Yeah. You know, very indicative of, of again, that time, you know, mid 70s to early 80s. I would say these types of this type of movie um, did a lot of that stuff. Uh, Amityville Horror, uh, uh, The Omen, um, similar type movies would do something like this. And uh, so, you know, even like we were talking about earlier, burnt offerings. <laughs> you know, it was like I said, it was very, uh, it was, uh, it, it was uh, done a, a lot, uh, very, uh, very much so around that time. Um, so yeah, that's what we uh, we get the we get the end credits, and you know, uh, the senator is dead, and yeah, I and, remember like a bunch of people dying in this movie when I was a kid, or no one dying, I don't remember. But there's only like really three deaths on screen. One of them has already happened, so it's really only two that takes place in the you know, the present timeline, one doesn't even happen on screen. It just kind of happens when we find out about it. And then we see Carmichael kind of have like a heart attack. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. There's only two deaths in the movie. They're not like leading up from like big scares. They're just kind of like these things that happen. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting from a horror movie. Like all the scares come from just uh, the communication from Joseph or I'm sorry, baby Carmichael to, to Russell. Yeah. You're right though. It's Joseph. Yeah. yeah. No, I, no, and I think you see that a lot in 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 these types of movies, a ghost movie. There's usually not a lot of deaths. Uh, there's just a lot of scares, a lot of weird, uh, kind of creepy, unsettling, um, unexplainable things that happen. And that's why I like them so much. I don't need I don't need I don't need kills or, you know, people getting uh, butchered or anything. Um, you know, if we're watching a slasher, then okay, then it's expected. But in a movie like this, I am not expecting it. And I'm okay if I don't get it. Um, I just like all the kind of eerie stuff that happens, you know, and I'm, and, and again, if the music is right, it definitely sets the mood and it does in this movie, you know? So, but uh, anyways, anything else you want to, you want to add? No, it's a good movie. For the changeling. Yeah. Really good movie. It's creepy. Yeah, definitely. And it's uh, it's more of a drama than it is a scary movie, honestly. You think so? Yep. Yeah, 100%. I don't know. I I don't know if I would disagree with you on that. Um, I you know it's one of my favorites. I that's why I suggested it. It holds up for me. I've seen it several times over the years, and I'm never, I never uh, am disappointed. I, I don't feel like it's dated. I mean, obviously we know it's 1980, but I I feel like it it holds up. Uh, 
very much, you know. And so, um, I, you know, I think we're both on the same page on this one. If, if there's someone out there that hasn't, uh, hasn't seen it, I think we would both, you know, would you agree, both recommend this to a listener? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would say, I would say check it out. I, 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 you know, I think they would enjoy it a lot. Um, George C. Scott is a fantastic actor. Um, we see him years later in Exorcist 3, which a lot of people don't talk about. <laughs> is great in that as well. He he's done a ton of movies, but you know, since we're since we're a horror podcast, we're talking horror. You know, um, the Changeling and Exorcist Three. So, well, I guess that'll do it. Nothing else you want to you want to throw out. Have a good day, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, you know, join us next week. We are talking about uh, 2001's The Others, uh, starring Nicole Kimmon. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us at both Twitter and Instagram at Ear for Fear. You can also check out our website, earforfear.com. There you can purchase merch and stay up to date on current episodes as well as news and events. We hope you come back and get an earful. See you soon. <laughs>